Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio, coming to you live from River Road Studio in Eugene, Oregon. Today's show is going to be brought to you by a bunch of people, but we're going to talk about it in a little different way, not a bunch of ads. So, Sue, you're a really busy person. What do you do when you're not recording Real Herbalism Radio? Well, uh, thank you for asking, Patrick. (laughs) First of all, I do volunteer work at Occupy Medical, and we have two clinics a week, and they're both free, and they're integrated health clinics, so it's two free herbal clinics uh, with doctors and nurses and herbalists, and that's at occupy-medical.com if anyone wants to find out about it. And I also am an herbal consultant, and I like to focus on chronic illnesses and people that already have medication to help them with that because that's kind of my MO. Great. So how can people help you support um, Occupy Medical? Uh, You can go to our website, and we are a 501c3 organization. And uh, if you go onto our website, you'll see some of the protocols and stuff that we do as far as herbs are concerned. Also, we use uh, many of the formulas that you find on the Practical Herbalist site. So thepracticalherbalist.com. And uh, you can just send in a donation and we will give you a tax fund for that. Oh, so it's a 503C. Yeah, 501C3. Yep. Sure. Cool. Is. And then the other uh, thing you do is the consulting, and that mm-hmm. was an email for that or contact you for that. Um, that's Sierra Lupe Herbal Consulting at gmail.com. Com. Yes. I was yeah. going to say org. I'm like, no, that's the other one. Yeah. <laughs> Sierra <laughs> Lupe. Again. Sierra Lupe Herbal Consulting at gmail.com. All right. Okay, Anna. So when you're not recording and making herbal tinctures and doing all the herby stuff and, and battling a teenager, what <laughs> what what do you do outside of the practical herbalist? I mean, I, I work with clients as an herbalist mm-hmm. through Get Healthy Now. And I do work with families that are looking to get healthy but don't want to do like herbalism. They're interested in things uh, more nutritional foods and that sort of thing. And I use a company called Juice Plus, so okay. I'm a rep for that. And then I am also involved with Hunter Creation. Um, I do a lot of the business, running of the business and bookkeeping and that sort of thing. And I'm beginning to work more and more with doing some of the website and print design work with okay. Hunter Creation. All right. And you can find me at what? No, no. When I was doing my pen thing there, it was like, yeah. now you ask me what I do oh, when I'm not oh. out. I was, I was Well, I was waiting to okay. say, and this is how you get a hold of me. Patrick, what <laughs> do you do during your week? No, well, okay, no, wait, wait, wait. How do we get a hold of Candace? How do we get a hold of Candace? I get a hold of her like this. I reach uh, out and I grab her arm. Please. You can find me at gethealthynowwithcandace.com. Okay. Okay. So when I'm so, not recording. Yeah, yes. I was going to say the other half, my better half at Hunter Creation, Aww. who really knows the business, is Patrick. So let's hear about that. So when I'm not recording, what I do is uh, graphic design and website design. So I can help people and companies um, get their marketing materials and uh, pattern or not patterns, um, their marketing materials together in a cohesive whole from their branding, from their logo to their website, to their printed materials. So everything looks like it should be coming from one source. A lot of times companies make the mistake. They'll go to one vendor for one thing and another vendor for another thing, but then they never integrate across. So you sometimes see a mixed message. You don't want that. So I try to make sure that that's cohesive. And the other thing I do with my 
troubling teenager <laughs> is uh, another business called Ace High Heat Graphics in that we make um, custom uh, apparel for uh, companies and you know and businesses. We're more B2B than we are person to person. B2B so, means business to business. Well, if you're in, if you're, if you're in it, you would know that's B2B and that's what we do. Uh, we help companies uh, and organizations get their name and their fundraising out. Uh, T-shirts are a great, great way to do that. Uh, that's our most common product. We've also um, have brought in hats. So we can do caps now. So. Nice. And so, aprons. Yes, and, and aprons. And, and oh, tote bags, and tote which bags. are actually really quite convenient when you're mushrooming. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Right. There Custom you go. tote bag for mushrooming. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yep. So that's what I do when I'm not doing this. Um, the other thing that I wanted to say is that the one thing that does help us keep um, the lights on, the doors open, and us doing this above and beyond everything else that we do is the Herbal Nerd Society. That's right. Yes. And, you know, in the last week, I think we had 10 new members. Oh, oh yay. Nice. Well, so, thank you, new members. Right. So uh, I think that's awesome. And it's always humbling when people are ready to put down their cash and say, hey, we like what you're doing. So if you want to become a member of the Urban Nerd Society and get access to all the old podcasts, special articles that Candace and Sue write, uh, special interviews that only the Urban Nerd Society members get, like the one with Chilton last week about mm-hmm. mushrooms, mushrooms, mushrooms and cancer, cancer yeah. and myths. Yeah. That was a really good one. Yeah. Um, I think that's why we got a bunch of – uh, members because that was a good that one. That was a good yeah. um, Then just go to the practicalherbals.com and then there's a menu item at the top that says um, join and click there. And then for five bucks a month or 50 for the year, you can become a member of the Herbal Society and get all that stuff plus an ad free environment. Nice. Mm-hmm. And I do have a question for you. Mm-hmm. If, if someone's interested in the Herbal Nerd Society, but they're not quite ready to join, how do they get on the mailing list for the Practical Herbalist so they can at least keep up with and see what's happening? Well, right now there's a pop-up. Well, there's two ways. There's a pop-up that will appear on the website if you visit the website. And after about six, seven seconds, a pop-up will appear. Now, if you've decided that you didn't like that pop-up and you X'd it out, at the bottom of every page is a sign-up form. Nice. So nice. you can decide. So, yeah. It's a great way to get your, if you're not sure about the Herbal Nerd Society, right. it's a great way to just get an idea of what's going on. And you'll start to see some of the articles that are also coming out like mm-hmm. the, for the Herbal Nerds. So, right. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. You'll see what, you'll see the new articles there. You'll also see or get a note on the newest podcast that's being published. Um, it's a great way to stay in contact with us without necessarily being a member of the Herbal Nerd Society. Yep. And then when you're ready and you say, oh, my God, there has been an awful lot of really cool stuff going to them, you'll be ready. You'll know. Psychoactive herbs have been a part of the human culture since it began. In the last century, we saw an explosion of interest in hallucinogenic experiences as Westerners began to explore the herbal traditions of other cultures. That exploration has had its possibilities and dangers. Today, you're talking with Nick Polizzi, author of Sacred Science, documentary filmmaker, and explorer of the ancient medicines about our culture's latest interests herbal traditions. Now here are your hosts, Candace Hunter and Sue Sierra Lupe. I'm Candace Hunter. And I'm Sue Sierra Lupe. And, and welcome, welcome to Real Herbalism, Herbalism Radio. Welcome back, Nick. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. It's yeah. so good to talk to you again. Yeah, it's, it's good to be here. You know, it's, it's interesting. It is actually hailing outside my house right now. So I guess that's a sign that this, is, this was meant to be. This is important medicine, man. Okay. It's yeah. important medicine. That's knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door out there. 
So we, we don't have you in the studio, so listeners might hear a little bit of a hollowness on Nick's end, or maybe not. Maybe technology is our fine-feathered friend. We don't know. We'll see. But, but if that's what you hear, listeners, unfortunately, he's, he's in another space from us. But maybe another time when we interview, we'll be in the same room. That would so, be fun. That would be fun. So, Nick, you, you, we were interested to you because for listeners that aren't familiar with this, because you wrote this wonderful book, Sacred Science, the Sacred Science, an ancient healing path for the modern world. And we read that book and we thought, we got to get this guy on our show. And I had had the pleasure of seeing the movie that this book is kind of is documenting walking through. So can you give a really quick uh, version of what happened on that movie very, very briefly? And then we have got some, uh, got some big questions about the herbs because we're herbless. That's yep. our jam. So can you start with <laughs> just talking a little bit about the book and the movie and that experience first? Sure. So I took eight people who were really ill from around the world down to the middle of the Amazon rainforest to work with the shamans and the indigenous medicines that are native to that region. And I think that part of the reason why we chose the jungle was because there are 65,000 plus species of plants that exist down in that region and less than 3% of them have been studied for their medicinal value. And of those 3%, that tiny, teensy, teensy little 3%, a very large number of modern treatments have been synthesized from those plants. Wow. Yeah. So we're scratching the surface there. Yeah. Just scratching the surface. Yeah. There's a lot of big plant medicine in that area. I mean, a lot. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, you know, you know, you know, what's interesting is, and uh, is that when we filmed the movie, 65,000 was the number. But my ethnobotanist friends, um, two or three of them, uh, continue to tell me that the number is growing. Even though the jungle itself is being decimated at a very fast pace, the number of plants that they're finding um, is expanding, like on literally on like a monthly basis. Like so, it's you know some people are saying it's over a hundred thousand species of plants, Mm -hmm. um, but I say sixty-five thousand just to be conservative. So, Mm -hmm. right, yeah, I completely believe that. A friend of mine wrote a book about. Uh, plants in Ecuador and he he his idea was to like pick an area and then just write all about them and he discovered soon that what he should just do so that he could eventually come home to the United States before he turned 85 he's in his 20s at the time (laughs) was just to write about ones that he sees along the road yeah and that filled an entire book that was just roadside roadside (laughs) native plants to Ecuador yeah yeah good yeah we don't understand that so that was quite a transformative journey for you and part of that in your book and in the film that started with a a couple of herbs that I think a lot of western herbalists are really not familiar with uh you had ayahuasca which has got a lot of publicity right now but what is that (laughs) ayahuasca is thought of in the jungle to be the mother of all plants so ayahuasca is a brew, and the brew consists of a vine called the Banisteriopsis capi vine, which is also known as ayahuasca. It's like the ayahuasca vine, and another plant called chacruna. And these two plants, when put together, create a very, very powerful sacred brew that induces visions, 
um, takes people on these um, incredible um, and also sometimes horrifying transformative journeys. And they have a side so, effect too, don't they? I'm thinking about the nausea. The nausea. Oh, yeah. So, the nausea. So, so, so ayahuasca is as actually, though, to be clear, two, two plants together. Two plants mixed together. Okay. And, you know, and, and, and I can go off on many tangents here, as we all can, um, as, as, um, as fans of herbs. Um, but uh, I just want to say real quickly that the miracle, and there's many miracles that are found in Native cultures, but the miracle of ayahuasca is that the ayahuasca vine, it grows very, 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 very far away from the tracruna plant. Ayahuasca is a vine and Chacruna is a leaf. And the leaf is not by any means, it's not like some big rainbow colored leaf that is just yelling <laughs> at you like an Amanita musca or a mushroom saying, hey, please, please pick me. It's not one of those. It's like literally just your run of the mill houseplant leaf. Um, <laughs> nice. And so somehow these cultures, they, these, these savages, as, as, as I'm sure, you know, a lot of moderners would have looked at them and maybe still look at them. Somehow they figured out thousands of years ago to put this leaf and that vine that grow literally hundreds of miles away from each other with a sea of however many, what did we say? A hundred thousand potential, hundred thousand right. plants in the Amazon between them. They, they, they know exactly how to prepare it in a particular way and drink it in a particular fashion to induce a particular type of healing experience. So that's the miracle of ayahuasca is that these people who are, who have been and continue to be exploited and marginalized um uh have this deep intelligence that we don't give them any credit for and have answers healing answers that we are desperately in need of yeah yeah it's pretty incredible i mean ayahuasca is it's really it's like a lifetime medicine yeah and I, I know that, that in Western medicine, we're definitely familiar, in Western herbal medicine, we're definitely familiar with how you take one plant and you add another plant and that one, that one plant you added just ex, uh, makes the wet, it increases its potency. They work together. They work together. So like yeah. for pain control, you have one plant and when you add another plant, even a small amount, then yeah. you've got far more exponential pain control than you had with just that one single plant right so so the so the so the way that these, these this plant combines is the ayahuasca vine is an mao inhibitor um it had that that is that is that is the 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 action that it is um that it is performing in this particular circumstance mm -hmm. and the chacruna leaf is a dmt rich plant dimethyltryptamine mm -hmm. and it's usually it's hallucinogenic so mm -hmm. dmt there's a lot of plants that there's a lot of plants that contain dmt in fact most green plants have some level of DMT in them, but our bodies are, we have enzymes in our, in our gut that will digest that DMT. So it never makes its way into our bloodstream. It never, it never crosses a blood brain barrier. And hence we don't ever experience the effects of, of DMT and how that, and how that can, you know, the DMT is what will create these otherworldly effects. So, mm -hmm. um, the, the, the vine, um, is, is, is a powerful MAO inhibitor and it allows, for the DMT and the chacruna to do its work without being digested. Hmm. Wow, that's interesting. So that's just like you, <laughs> you're putting one in there just so it can break down in the body. You have, you have to have that. And is there more than just these two plants that are different regions? Do they have their own recipes? 
Um, there's a lot of different brews, you know, and, and you know, similar, you know, Chinese Chinese medicine is 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 known regional. for the formula, mm -hmm. yeah, and, and regional, and also just known for the formulas, um, the combinations of of uh, wonderful and genius combinations of different different plants. Um, that you'll you'll find similar combinations, or at least a similar um, thought process, I guess, and philosophy down in the Amazon. Um, and so there's the, the types of the variety of ayahuasca vines do vary. I don't know if there's a, a number of different varieties of chacruna leaf, but um, but one thing that you will definitely find from region to region is, is other additional herbs added to the brew. So mm -hmm. in the traditions that I work within, um, uh, there's another power plant that we could spend two episodes talking about. Mm -hmm. and in fact, it's a, it's a plant that, that had um, extremely beneficial um, effects on our, our Parkinson's patient, uh, Nicola. It's called the Doe, um, uh, Brugmantia grandiflora. Um, Can you spell uh, that, please? Uh, Doe is, is T-O and then the accent mark over the E. Um, so it's, it's in the Brugmantia family, and it's... Um, I'm sorry, uh, Brugmansia grandiflora is um, is Datura, I believe. It's, this one's um, Brugmansia savolens, um, but it's uh, it's a huge angel trumpet plant. In fact, if you live in the West Coast, you see toe. It's mm -hmm. I don't know how it was brought over here. Maybe it was brought over here by by the Spanish um, or brought up from the Spanish. But it's these the, you know these plants that have their trees that have these hanging like right. big white flowers that open mm -hmm. up at night. Mm -hmm. um, um, it's the angel trumpet. It's the toe plant. Um, uh, it's, it's a re relative of Datura, which a lot of people know of as being right. very psychoactive. If mm -hmm. you've read any, um, Carlos Castaneda, um, novels, you, you're familiar with Datura. Um, but, um, this is, this is something that, um, is also sometimes added, um, to, uh, to ayahuasca. It's native to the Amazon rainforest. And so the leaf, sometimes there'll be a little, a couple of leaves thrown in to kind of add a, a, a particular effect to the brew. Wow. Um, uh, mapacho, which is which is Amazonian tobacco, um, sometimes you'll have some mapacho thrown into the brew. Um, you know, tobacco is something that you know, mm -hmm. we don't really think about it as this, but it's a highly purgative plant. And yes. you guys, I'm sure this. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, ayahuasca is thought of. It's also thought, uh, commonly called down there la porga, like the purge. You know, you yeah. a big a big effect of it. I wouldn't even call it a side effect because it's really one of the main effects. <laughs> you know. Um, is uh is that you vomit you know you and you vomit out of every possible not sometimes you don't vomit at all sometimes you vomit a little bit sometimes you vomit out of every possible um place that you could excrete something <laughs> from. um um and uh so yeah um, sometimes tobacco amazonian tobacco will be thrown in there and there's a variety of other ones cherry sinango which is an incredible herb. we can talk about amazonian herbs forever um oh, but yeah. there's different herbs that will be thrown into the brew depending on where you are sometimes it really is just the Banisteriopsis capi vine, and then the chacruna leaf, which are the you know the ayahuasca vine and the chacruna leaf. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes you get very just that that's it. That and water, brew it, and then um, it's prepared in a certain way, and then it's drunk. Um, but I I think that something that we're we're encountering here in the Western culture is this um, is this it's turned into a fad. Yeah, it's it's this thing in like the the um the cosmonaut um psychedelic culture now where people want to try it and go on a joyride um and for most people who try it i'm sure they get a rude awakening 
upon their first dose, that this is uh -huh. not something like LSD. This is not something like even psilocybin mushrooms, which I have a great respect for. Um, it's not, it's not something like that. It's not something that you can take and then interact with the, your everyday reality or, um, in some cases, it's it's not something that you can take and even remember who you are and what you are during the, the climax of it. It's intended to dissolve everything that you think you are mm -hmm. so that all that is left is your soul essence. Um, all that is left is the truth of who you are and how you came into this world, um, the energy of who you, you know, of what's going on inside you. Um, that's all that's left. And it's meant to dissolve all that stuff. And, and while that seems kind of like a... Um, a desirable, like, oh, let it all melt away so I can really understand the real me, the reality yeah. of this. <laughs> when brutal. it happens, yes, when it happens in earnest, it is horrifying. It is something that requires care. It requires someone to be there and hold space for you and take care of you if needs be because we have so much illusion and we have, we have so much, we're, we're operating on so many false paradigms and we live in such a, and I'm sorry, I'm on a soapbox here saying all this stuff, but I, this is what I truly believe. We have so many blocks. We have, we're, we're, we are, we're trained to turn a blind eye to the, to the things that are really preventing us to, to our deepest fears that when you take a plant that is meant to show you those things as it's removing them, it can be slightly traumatic if it's not done in the right situation. So we see this thing happening up here in the United States and all, all the way across the, um, the Northern Hemisphere. You can find ayahuasca anywhere now. I mean, it's, yeah. it's crazy. You can be in Morocco. You could find ayahuasca. You can find an ayahuasca ceremony. Yeah. Like it's being, it's being done everywhere. And, and, and it's an interesting, argue, it's an interesting um, uh, debacle because some people would say, hey, the world needs this medicine. This medicine is there, is there to wake us up. And this is ayahuasca's this is grandmother's ayahuasca's, um, uh, this is her way of using us as these stewards of the medicine to get it to every corner of the earth so that everyone can understand where we come from and who we really are and the pain body that we're carrying because of the way we've been living. So that's one way of looking at it. And I'm not sure that that's entirely wrong, but I do think that there is a, um, a real need for there to be um, uh a res uh, some type of oversight, some way to um, see this medicine administered in a, in a fashion that is safe for people. And I'm not, I don't have the answer to that. I mean, the answer has always been until the last, until four or five years ago, the answer has always been find, if, you, if, you're, if you're lucky enough to stumble across it in the jungle and find a shaman, then, you know, just you know, assuming that you find the right shaman who's not um, going to, um, you know, harm you in any way when there's plenty of, there's plenty of, uh, shamans are normal people. Yeah. Shamans are, shamans are human beings and human beings are flawed. <laughs> so, <right. laughs> so, so you can find the wrong shaman. So, I mean, like, like, like finding the wrong, like finding the wrong, um, yogi or the, the wrong guru in India that, you know, we were hearing all, all these tales of atrocity, um, that are happening in, in, you know, in, in Tibet and in, and in India and, in the Far East, you know, people who are being taken advantage of, women who are being horribly mistreated. Like, same thing happens everywhere. You yeah. know, human beings are human beings. Like, we fall prey to the same, same impulses. So, but I mean, if the rule used to be, if you find the right shaman, you hear that, you know, you ask the right questions, you go to the right village, you find that there's somebody who everyone says, go check this guy out, then you do that work and you sit with them and you have the experience. But now it's like Tom from next door has a, has a jar of ayahuasca in his refrigerator um, in, San, in San Diego, you know, whatever right. it is. It's like, now, are you going to sit down with Tom, who has no idea what this medicine can do, who has no idea about how to, 
Tom, who can't even take care of a house plant, is going to now be yeah. messing around <laughs> with the master of all plants. Right. This yeah. doesn't seem like a good idea. So. Yeah, that I mean, that's one of the things that I've wondered about in all of this is that, you know, I hate to say it, but, you know, we're a bunch of white, white folk from white culture. How do we know how to, I mean, we don't, we didn't grow up with the kind of understanding of the world and the layers of existence in the spirit realm that someone who is a shaman from, you know, the Amazon basin did. So the shaman knows how to set the space so knows how to lock the doors as it were to make sure the ceremony is safe to make sure that you know you don't have some random crack dealer walking in right you know what i mean Uh, you know i'm talking about a crack dealer meaning like spiritually speaking but some Mm -hmm. ill-intended being walking in and and messing with you yeah how does Tom know? <laughs> you know, I, mean, yeah. I know in our American culture too, we have a long tradition, at least since I, I, I was a child when the Nixon, the Watergate thing was exploding. So mm-hmm. at the exact same time when I was, well, you know, that these, uh, these authority figures, they might, they might not be trusted. And then here comes Watergate. I'm like, okay, all right. So authority figures are stupid, but but there's a there's also a long tradition of honoring people in authority, and we yeah. just don't we have been crushed that's been crushed out of us you know if yeah. you're raised in the Catholic Church, the way that children were treated and yeah. mistreated that's a that's a giant conversation and and we look at these mega churches where people their trust is being defiled for the name of almighty money you know money capitalism is a really bad mix with cap with with religion or authority or anything else so of course we're running to other countries and other cultures to try to find a place where there's someone that we can trust that there is an authority that we can trust that will walk us through the trauma of you know working through these traumas make us supposedly makes us a better thing a better person of course we have seen so much drama in wars or or you know just in abusive situations that we we need someone to help us Put our pieces back together, and I would hope that the um, for these people that um, Nick you were with that that was exactly what they needed. They got those pieces. They got a good authority figure with Roman and those other shamans, so that they can have a trusting, loving relationship with themselves and then the world that they're trying to connect with. You know, if there's one thing I can say about the healers that I work with is they are almost boringly um, dependable, you know, and, <laughs> and boring, they're almost boringly present and just they're um, asexual. There isn't any of that. I mean, I have got a pretty sharp eye. I've seen a lot of crap in my life. And so I've, I have a sharp eye for that kind of stuff. And I've never seen anything even remotely suspicious like that. It's just, they, they're, they're there to love you. They're there to hold space for you. Mm-hmm. And they're also there to be strict and to not let you out, not let you get out or not let you excuse yourself from the experience, but, you know, not let your ego take hold and Mm -hmm. create drama. They're, they're Mm -hmm. there to be pretty much this, this pillar against which you can crash, you know, this, this, like, you know, thinking about it as like, you know, you're in the, you're in these, this tossy turvy ocean, you are the ocean. They're like the jetty that you can crash against that's going nowhere. You know what right. I mean? They're there to hold. They're there as buoys to help you have your experience to not get in the way, but also to make sure you don't get in your own way. 
Yeah. Well, no. that's the piece that we're really missing is we, again, the thing I'm criticizing American culture left and right, but <laughs> we really do idolize ego. We really do idolize arrogance. We idolize drama. You know, we have entire movies all about drama and that's not that those aren't safe shores. They're mm-hmm. really not safe shores. They're interesting. They're distraction. They're yeah. Distraction from real life. Yeah. But just, just to be, to be loving, kind and compassionate is kind of, kind of boring, but it's necessary. It's oh, and it's so much more, happens. so much more, so much more sustainable too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, I, I'm very, I'm very wary of, um, so now, you know, now I'm a, yeah, I'm, a, I'm I'm a published Hay House author now, so that's got its own right. cool little little yeah. zippity doo. Wow, yeah. look at me! Um, but like, um, there's you come in contact now with uh, with so many you know so many more of these gurus, yeah. and I'm very wary of, of 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 flashy gurus. I'm just very I'm very I mean, and, and I'm sure that it's probably part. I'm probably blocked in some way. This might actually be you know a, a limitation. I'm, I might be projecting onto some folks who who are maybe a little flashy, but really are the real deal. But I just, in my experience, I have found that the person who tells you they're a shaman as a second, you know, in the second sentence after you meet them mm-hmm. tends to usually, usually um, not. not be one. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they're to like, feed their the, ego and yeah. their wallets. Like the, the shamans that I know who are the most powerful and shamans are not just men. There are shamans. Oh my gosh. There's so many amazing. Do you guys know Rosita Arvigo? Have you ever interviewed her? Mm-hmm. No. Tell me her Ro- name again, please. Ro- Rosita Arvigo. She's she's um she has um uh, she she brought the Maya abdominal therapy to the um to the modern world um uh, which, which is a big deal. Um she she has a um she's an ethnobotanist. She has a center down in Belize, but she um uh, encountered this woman. Her name was um uh, Hortense Hortense from the island of Cozumel. And um, it, I, I promise the story is going somewhere. Um, and, and so, so this, this, this island is known, you know, it's, it's an island off the coast of, of, uh, of Belize or, or possibly Belize or Mexico, right in the border of Belize. And it's, they're just known for their midwives. Um, they're just known to have these amazing, you know, to just to have this amazing culture of midwifery. And so this woman, Hortense, she, she's deli- she delivered thousands and thousands of babies into the world. But, what Rosita knew and what the locals knew, but what nobody else knew was that Hortense was an extremely powerful shaman. She's an extremely powerful curandera. And she, no, no one knew. You, only, the only people who knew were the people who knew her. The only people who knew yeah. were the people in her village. And that's how it usually is. People yeah. who are shamans who are really truly doing the work for the right reasons, they're not looking to be noticed. And a lot of times it's- they're moonlighting as electricians. Usually it's, yeah, it's plumbers. easier to do the work if you're not doing it, you know, for pay and for fame. You just mm-hmm. quietly do the work. And, you know, yeah. That's how yeah. that's how it works. That's how the plants work too. They're just there doing what they do. That's it. They just want to have the opportunity to do what they do, and that's yeah. what shamans are. That's yeah. what I mean, in my opinion, that's not what shamans are, but that's how they are. That's how they the true ones, I think, are inter interacting or, or interfacing with the populations around them. They're not hanging a shingle. The minute you hang a shingle, I mean, I, I mean, I, I guess that there's some reasons why you'd want to do that. But anything that anything like that tends to, to me to point to ego and it tends to point to secondary gain, and I don't see it as as pure. 
And so, uh, and again, there's plenty of people that I'm probably dissing right now that might be the real deal. But in my, in, this is my job is to find the right, is to find yeah. the real ones. <laughs> right. so, so I don't bother. I, I don't bother with any any folks that have any of those. I, I I really just wait for people to tell me about somebody, and usually it's one of the most unassuming per- people in the village that are yeah. quiet, not not trying to be anybody. Right. Wow. So yeah, how does that how does that go back into our ayahuasca? So that's what I was so, gonna ask. Folks, I was gonna say, so so here we are, you know, city city folk, suburban folk, western folk, people up in America. We're thinking there there are folks here who are wanting to try ayahuasca, who are feeling called, but how do they find a right and good shaman or ritual to work with? Mm. What are the what are some out of their ivory towers? Well, what are some of the the tips to look for? I mean, someone who doesn't put their shingle out, but I mean, in in your average American neighborhood, you're not really going to find anybody talking about anybody being particularly good at healing. Hmm. That doesn't, you know, if they are, they've usually got a PhD after their name. That's usually how it works in America. So how how do you how do you find that in America? So. <laughs> I'm tempted. I'm tempted to kind of give give this blueprint on how to find ayahuasca, which there are. There's ways to find it, but I I rather at least first try to put some perspective on the situation. Mm-hmm. So um, my friend Sebastian, he is a Pampa Misayok, um, which is um, one of the high a high priest in uh, the Caro culture up in Asagate in Peru. Um, and he and I were talking one time, and he was telling me. He's like, I don't understand you Westerners. He's like, in my culture, most of us will never, ever have the opportunity to work with one of the teacher plants. It's just not what we do. They live close by, but we don't work with them because we understand that there's this energia. There's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's an energy, there's a spirit to these plants that needs to be understood. The same way there's a spirit to the Apus, like the Apus are like the mountains. Um, there's, each mountain in, in the Andes has a spirit um, and needs to be respected. There's a, there's a spirit to most, to most things in that culture. And we don't touch those plants until we've approached them with patience, permission, and respect. And it'll take years for us who want to be um, enlightened or, or introduced to those plants of, of, you know, walking the trails, asking permission, waiting, waiting, waiting for an answer, and ultimately either receiving permission or receiving a definite no or receiving nothing, which Ultimately, probably means we should continue to ask and, and definitely shouldn't just go for it. And he says, you know, there's, the, we, you know, for decades, you know, you know, we, we might ask. Some people don't even ask because that they just don't don't feel it's part of their path. But say you do think it's part of your path, you'll take the time to make sure that it's right for you to make sure that the plants um, want you to be working with this particular medicine because it's the grandmother of all plants. I mean, it really yeah. is called abuela. It's called the grandma for a reason. Mm-hmm. It's down right. there. It is considered to be the mother of all plants. Some people think it's Pachamama herself. Mm-hmm. So there's this, there's this side of the conversation that needs to be had, and it's boring. I mean, it really is. Some of you sitting here listening, to this is who's just trying to figure out how to get ayahuasca. It's like, okay, I get it, but then please mm-hmm. just tell me you're going to tell me how to get ayahuasca. Right. I don't know that I really want to. Yeah. Because the reality is, 
there's a culture here who has a, who's been respecting this plant, who's been preserving this plant for thousands of years. And most people in this culture don't even mess with it because they know it's such a sacred plant that only the masters, only people who have been given permission are the ones that use it. I, you know, if you, if you go down and talk, and talk to a true shaman in the jungle, they'll tell you that until very recently, the only person, only people who would ever take the plant were shamans. The patients would never take it. The patients would come to the shaman and tell the shaman, hey, I'm sick with such and such. And the shaman would do a ceremony. He would take the plant. She would take the plant um, and, and journey and find out what the answer was. And a lot of times it's amazing. We could, we could spend an hour talking about this too, but a lot of times with, with, it'll give you jungle vision. You know, The ayahuasca plant will, will literally help you triangulate on the one plant that's maybe in a mile or two miles away from you that you've never experienced before, but it'll tell you the plant to pick for your patient and how to prepare it. And all that mm-hmm. stuff, and yeah. that is what they would use it for. And only in certain situations, when there was something that would be directly affected, could be directly affected positively by the ayahuasca combination of ayahuasca and chacruna, would a patient every once in a while be given the plant to drink. Yeah, but uh, it's, it's, it's this it's, it's this weird myth that ayahuasca is this thing that everyone's supposed to drink. It's something that only shamans usually drink, you know. And yeah. and only now because of ayahuasca tourism, is it become this thing that is being offered to everybody who everybody and their mother when they come mm-hmm. down to Peru, they come down to Brazil, when they go down to Ecuador or Colombia. Yeah, so it sounds I, it sounds like it's um, kind of like what happened with cannabis, where it is a sacred plant and it's been turned into or is being turned into a recreational plant. Yeah. People want to have an Amazon coupon code so they can order some enlightenment shipped <laughs> to them <laughs> in the comfort of their couch. That's yeah. it. And it's also like a Tough mutter or like a Spartan race where people just want to do it so they can tell other people they did it. Mm-hmm. Oh, you haven't done ayahuasca? Oh, my God, I took it. Wow, it's crazy. Wow, I can't believe it. I survived. Um, it's, it's something that I think uh, – so in answer to your question, the people who are listening who want to take it, I would first ask yourself why. Yeah. Why do you want to take it? What are you actually looking for? Because this is this – is, um, this is property. You know, this is this is something that belongs to another culture and it's being just slowly but surely stripped away from them and turned into a commodity. Mm-hmm. Right. And 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 there's something very dangerous about that. Yeah. I, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't seek it out, but I think that if you are seeking it out, the way that you'd seek it out is you'd go down and start understanding the culture that it comes from. And instead of going down and finding, finding like, you know, going to Blue Morpho tours or whatever, and I probably shouldn't say specific names, but <laughs> whatever it is down in the jungle where you can find their website and that you can go down there and I, can, I can't guarantee you, I can't guarantee you're going to have a good experience. I can't even guarantee your safety because a lot of the people that practice mm-hmm. in different, in these ayahuasca factories um, are, they're predators. So, I mean, like, you know, you can't even, you can't even guarantee, you know, the safety, your own safety, if you're going to do it the way that a lot of people are going to do it. Um, I think that if I was going to approach it, if I was you, and I guess sort of the way I approached it early was I just started reading books. I started studying. I started figuring out what it was, where it comes from, who the masters are, who the living masters still are, what their lineages are, what villages they're from. And I started slowly going down and exploring those lineages and those cultures. And honestly, the jungle itself almost scared me off before I ever even tried ayahuasca. <laughs> Just the jungle itself, like, yeah. is such powerful medicine. So um, I, I would just I would approach it with patience, permission, and respect. Mm-hmm. And honestly, 
the 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 thing that Sebastian the the Carol Pompamisia says, and I said it earlier in this call. I stole I stole this from him. Is he says we have these gringos coming down to Peru who have no idea what it's like to take care of a house plant, but they want to talk to the master of plants. He's like he's like if you walked up to the White House, would you expect to get an appointment with the president? You wouldn't, would you? No, it would take years and years, and you probably still would never get to meet the president. Well, that's exactly what you're trying to do when you come down to my culture and you and you drink and you take ayahuasca. Is right. you're sitting down with the mother of all plants and you know nothing about what plants actually are mm-hmm. and who you actually are. Right. He's like so that that's that's sort of his his way his way of looking at it. Um, he's a lot more humble than that. I kind of made him sound like you know sort of like a Darth Vader type character, but he's definitely he's definitely <laughs> a lot humble than that. Um, <laughs> Maybe if Ayahuasca um, just had a Facebook page, people could go and then then they feel know. better. They yeah. feel better. Could tweet. Yeah, Ayahuasca they could tweet tweet. Tweets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then that would make him feel better. Oh my my whole understanding of Ayahuasca and San Pedro and many of the others is that this isn't these plants are. When you meet them and you take them for the first time, it's the first time maybe in this lifetime, but it will extend into many other lifetimes. You're making a commitment that extends well beyond what most of us understand life to be. And so it seems to me that if you're going to do something that big, it's really important that you find a good, experienced, intelligent shaman to work with because... You know, a good shaman will tell you, no, you're not ready. No, this isn't right for you. And will stop you before you go too far. And then if it is right and you are ready, they will ensure that it's done properly so that you don't have a broken relationship. Mm -hmm. Because if you have a broken relationship that started off with a cracked foundation, that's going to be many lifetimes of trying to fix that before you finally have to destroy that old foundation and start all over. Yeah. Or talk to people that have been through some of these deeper experiences and listen to what they're trying to say. And it seems like a lot of them are saying things like, well, you could try being kind to people. That seems like a really good way to start. You know, try being compassion, put your own ego aside. Mm-hmm. The plants seem to teach that lesson over and over again. And, and you don't need to don't need to go to Peru to learn that. Right. And most people don't. Some people need right. to go to Peru to learn that. But yeah, uh, some people that's, do. That is a that is a thing to just start doing. You know, maybe that would make it easier for if you started doing that, it'd make it easier for you to walk through the door of some of these other deeper experiences. You know, I, I would say that I, I when I started off on the on the uh, the poison path or the plant path, mm-hmm. uh, I was I had obviously I knew what Buddhism was. I had never embraced it as my thing. Mm-hmm. But the longer that I've you know, as I've been working with these ceremonies and not just plant medicine ceremonies, but, um, you know, sweat lodges too, and vision quests and temescals and different types of fasting where it's almost the way I envision true ceremonial rites of passage is it seems the, the commonality they all have is it's, it seems like it's planned intensity. It's, it's planned discomfort. It's voluntary discomfort. And, that's what ayahuasca is for sure. And that's what a lot of these plant medicines will bring you and also sweat lodges. Um, it's intensity so that you can get down to your core and understand who you actually are. Once you get past the surface layers that you thought you were. And as you're in those spaces where that intensity gets so great that you don't think you're going to be able to hold on anymore. And you think that you're just not going to be able to survive this. 
it always comes back to this to all these Buddhist principles. All these Buddhist principles seem to be the seem to be the way forward. And it's really interesting to me, you know, you, you know that you know a lot of what's practiced in the Amazon, and a lot of what's practiced in Buddhism, there are these core truths that you come down to. And I don't think you need ayahuasca for you know you know what you can get from ayahuasca, you can get from other things. Mm-hmm. So the idea the idea that ayahuasca is going to save you and the and ayahuasca is a miracle antidote that's going to give you this spiritual evolution that you couldn't get elsewhere is a complete myth. Mm-hmm. There's other ways of getting there. Planned discomfort is really what I look at. <laughs> it's how I look at it. And it's like voluntary suffering and learning how to be comfortable with, with extreme discomfort. I mean, mm-hmm. that really is Sacrifice. what it comes down to. Yeah. So, yeah, so think about So think about yeah. all the things that you could do to create that discomfort in your life. In fact, think about all the things that happen in your day that you get pissed off about and that you whine about to your partner that are uncomfortable. What, what if you just sat in those things instead of, instead of like caving and curling up in the fetal position and and acting out or doing whatever you do or trying to suppress it with alcohol or whatever yeah, you're whatever say, crack you're, a beer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Imagine if you just sat in that. I mean, geez, you want yeah. you want to you want to sit in ultimate discomfort with ayahuasca? How about you start sitting in some discomfort and stop taking a pass yeah. on your life? Like that is that is and essentially it comes down to Buddhist practice, right? It comes down right. to not attaching yourself to anything, you know, to not attaching yourself to the pleasure and not attaching yourself to the pain. Just being in that in that middle, you know, centered, balanced state of being, and that's the only way you ever make it through an ayahuasca ceremony. That's the only way you ever make it through a serious, serious sweat lodge, um, which I've been, I've sat in some, and it's one of the it's one of the 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 on um, the job the on job hazards or uh, you know the work hazards of my profession is you get invited to these things and people want to show you the ultimate experience, and so you're sitting <laughs> in these places, and it's like the only thing that that comes down to really is being comfortable with discomfort, understanding who you actually are and that you're more than this physical body and just committing to discipline and the, the practices that that'll help you fully embody that. And it doesn't, it's not ayahuasca specific. So if you're, if you think that this is the magic pill, it's not, if you're going to go down and take ayahuasca, but you're, but you, but you have a hard time, you know, going through life, not yelling at your child and acting out and cracking a beer at six o'clock in the evening. Like, why don't you start with that? That yeah. is, that is probably the first place to start. Get your life right, then seek out ayahuasca. Hmm. Wow, good advice. That sounds wise. So, Nick, I really appreciate you taking time to be on our show and sharing with us. It's been a very moving experience having you here as a guest. And I'm wondering, where is it that people can get a hold of you? You can get a hold of us at www the sacred the sacred science.com mm-hmm. where you'll find the new book um it's called the sacred science which Yay. came out uh, about a month ago which we're stoked about um you'll find our sacred cookbook which came out about five or six years ago which um is uh, is a hit with our with our audience and a lot of the people people on this path and you also um see a bunch of other stuff great articles cool free videos you can also watch the movie for free on the website at all times just click on the film the film button on the top of the page and you can watch our movie the sacred science for free whenever you want to as many times as you want to um it's uh it's a community of giving it's an exchange it's a we we like to think that we're a bridge between the ways of our ancestral past and the modern world and um and we'd love to see you oh thanks thanks for the work that you do appreciate it yeah and uh as always always Put in our room. Sorry. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
makes sense. Statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration, FDA, and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliate websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem. All Always consult a healthcare professional before starting any new vitamin, supplements, diet, or exercise program before taking any medication.